In today's episode, we're going to take a stroll down memory lane, and it's a stroll down Susie's memory lane that has been aided by blog posts and Instagram posts and the like, because I'd forgotten a lot of this stuff even happened, and if I'd forgotten it, you either forgot about it or more than likely didn't know that it happened at all. We're calling today's episode, When You Know Better, You Do Better, because in the last 13, 14 years as a fitness instructor, man, I have learned a lot more things and learned a lot of the things that I did back in the day were not such good ideas, but I didn't know, and now I do, and that's why I want to share the things that I know with you. I hope you'll enjoy today's episode. You're listening to the Wellness Simplified Podcast. Simple wellness tips to help you improve your life without turning it upside down. With your host, award-winning fitness instructor, nutrition coach, and wellness expert, Susie Fevens. Welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast episode. I hope that you find it interesting. Um, and it might give you a little bit more insight to me <laughs> and why I do what I do and why I'm so passionate about it. So for those who are maybe tuning in for the first time, yes, I'm Susie Fevens. I'm all those things that they said in the intro, but I'm specifically really interested these days in stress resiliency, helping people to balance their nervous systems and to live a life that allows them to be their healthiest without turning their life upside down. And for each person, that's going to look a little bit different. There is no one-stop shop for best diet, best exercise, best timetable for people to do anything. Everybody has to figure out what works for them. We're all just a mash of different characteristics. And so there's not going to ever be one solution that fits everybody. But because there's such a wide range of both coaches out there as well as people, pretty much everybody can find somebody who meshes well with them. And I think that it's important that we share some of our behind the scenes as to what brought us to where we are in order to help people figure out if the person that they're working with or listening to in this instance or following is the right person for them. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that is to give a little bit of backstory. So for those of you who have not been following me since the dark ages of 2000, and seven is when I became a fitness instructor. When I started out, I had this big dream of teaching 10 classes a week because I thought if I did 10 classes a week and earned $20 per class, that would be $200 a week. And I thought that that would be adequate, which, you know, I think is very adorable of me to think that that was going to be enough to live off of. But that's where we were. And that was my big goal. So that was 2007. And I taught classes. Um, I taught them locally, working for a couple different um, towns. I also taught classes at Acadia University. And then in 2010, Zumba hit Canada. And I was one of the first licensed Zumba instructors in Nova Scotia. And at that time, I was still working for Acadia myself. And the coordinator for the fitness um, program at Acadia both became licensed in Zumba. And that was in March. So my 11th anniversary is coming up very soon. And I dabbled in it a little bit over the spring and into the summer, knowing that fall was going to be like the big, it was going to be big. Like it was the hot thing. Everybody wanted it. So I had scheduled lots of classes on my own. I was also team teaching with her. We were taking on the full class load for Acadia of Zumba classes. And then unfortunately in the first month or so of the fall term, she was in a car accident and injured her ankle quite badly um, and was not able to teach. So I had to take up the extra classes that she was not teaching. So according to my notes, 
in 2010, I was teaching 19 fitness classes a week. And there was a number of days when I was teaching five fitness classes a day and like three or four of those would be Zumba. I legit spent the majority of my time in the car, driving around, teaching and sleeping and eating. That was all I did. So that was 2010. In 2011, I cut that down to 17 classes a week. Man, such sacrifice. (laughs) But I did cut it down to 17. And then in 2012, in the beginning of 2012, I cut back again, this is ridiculous, to 15. So starting in 2012, I was teaching 15 classes a week, and that was still largely Zumba classes. There were some low-impact seniors fitness classes in there. Um, There was also aqua fitness, which seems like it would be easier but to teach aqua fitness jumping up and down on a concrete pool deck or whatever kind of I don't know I guess it's concrete is it I don't know whatever jumping up and down on the pool deck even though you have a mat to help with absorption it's still very challenging and let's remember or maybe you don't even know I have fibromyalgia so jumping up and down a lot causes a lot of pain in my joints I manage it pretty well with Um, exercise and nutrition but back then doing that much like I would wake up and literally calculate how long before I could come back home and have a nap so I was just going all of the time then in August of 2012 I actually quit teaching at Acadia and I know that's when it was because I recorded a YouTube video which you can still find on my YouTube channel if you scroll back far enough um And that's where I got those numbers, the 19, 17, and 15. So in August of 2012, I cut back a little bit more. And I really don't think that I got that far. Like I may have been down to like 13 classes a week. It was still a considerable number of classes, way more than I ever should have been doing. And I don't know what the combination of formats was, but I'm willing to bet that it was mostly Zumba. Because for many years, I taught Zumba every single evening. And a lot of times I taught more than one Zumba class in an evening because I would teach at Acadia and then I'd go teach in Woodville. And then I did some for the local dance studio as well as doing some um, corporate classes. So I was on the go a lot. Anyway, so August 2012, I quit Acadia. Um, The big reason I did that is because it is the furthest from my house. So I was spending like 45 minutes driving especially in the winter months and I didn't want to go on the 101 I was spending a lot of time driving and I wasn't getting paid a whole lot so it made the most sense to drop those classes I gained back so much of my time and it wasn't a huge financial impact and then in March 2013 I was really quite sick like I was having serious heart palpitations um my period was absolutely crazy. Like I wouldn't have it for months. And then I would just have like the heaviest, heaviest period. And I remember thinking I was going to have to quit. Like my fitness career is over. Like I've burnt myself out to the extent that I'm going to kill myself if I continue. So at that point, I took a week off. I rested for a week And I changed some of my classes. So instead of Zumba, I changed some of them to Zumba toning. I had some that was a Zumba-Zumba toning combination, and I went to just Zumba toning. And at the time, I felt like I made a bunch of changes. But looking back, it's like you hardly changed anything at all. Anyway, that was March 2013. I took some time off, like six days, and then I tried to cut back a little bit. 
And then, it's <laughs> just the most ridiculous thing I can think of. First, so that was March. In April, I started to get this rash on my face. Now, what you need to know is back when I was in like grade eight, I had this awful, they call it perioral dermatitis. It was we determined it was an allergic reaction to gel toothpaste of all things, but my mouth was swollen and I had all this redness around my mouth and it took quite a while to figure out what it was and get the treatment and whatever. So in April of 2013, I started to have this rash on my face. And of course I thought it was just that allergic reaction again. Like, why would I think it was anything else? So I was trying my same prescription, trying all the same things. Nothing was working. Every day I got up and it was just getting bigger and bigger. And I thought, this is like, I'm allergic to something. Like, what am I using? It must be like a facial cleanser or a moisturizer or something. Because it was coming all over my face. It was going down my neck. It was on my eyelids. It was everywhere. And it was so itchy. And Benadryl didn't really seem to help. Even though if it was an allergic reaction, you would think it was. Eventually, I did go to outpatients. Unfortunately, my doctor, who is now retired, so I don't even have a doctor, but my doctor at the time was on call and he came in and he's like, oh my gosh, what's happened to you? And I was like, I don't know. I think it's an allergic reaction. Anyway, he's like, I don't think it's an allergic reaction. I think you have an infection. I said, what? And he's like, I don't know. You're a really healthy person. Usually your immune system would take care of this sort of thing, but you clearly have an infection. So he did a diagnosis and it was a bacterial infection on my face. And he's like, I just can't understand how you would get this. Like, you're so healthy. And I said, you know, I was having some issues with overtraining. So I guess maybe my immune system was a little bit down and I must have gotten this. Well, people, my immune system was a little bit down. It was like shot to hell. And here I, I have this huge infection on my face. I have photos. I'm going to share them on social this week. So you can, you can watch for those. But it was everywhere. So that was in April. In May, I ran the Blue Nose 10K. Somehow in my brain, I thought that that was a good idea, even though I had just... I had just had overtraining syndrome and thought that I was going to have to quit teaching altogether, had and still had a bacterial infection on my face because I remember being in the hotel, I stayed at the Prince George, I had to put all of my bacterial <laughs> infection cream on my face every night. I remember doing that in the hotel the night before, so I know I still had it when I did the 10K. And so I ran that 10K, I had no business running that 10K, I had no business doing it and yet I did it. And it gets even crazier. I did that 10K. And in May, I also decided that it would be a super idea to sign up for team and training and raise a bunch of money for cancer research, which was, I think, I'm not, I'm not sorry I did that, but the timing could have been a bit better, so that I could go to San Francisco that October and run a half marathon. Let's, let's just regroup this for a second here. In March... I thought I was going to have to give up teaching fitness classes entirely because I had done too much for too long. I took a week off. Then I felt a bit better and I thought, oh, I'm fine. Even though I have this bacterial infection all over my face that if I really were healthy, my body would never have developed this because my immune system would have sent it packing. Then I did a 10K and then I signed up for a half marathon. But on top of that, to raise $4,000 for cancer over a few months period. And that alone is not 
an unstressful thing, never mind training for a half marathon on top of that. So that was my big super idea. And because I taught so many classes at that point, I was probably down to 13 or so classes a week. You know, no problem compared to doing 19 a few months or a few years earlier. I'm not very good at training for races. So I just signed up for a whole pile of 5 and 10Ks so that I'd be sure to at least get some of that base building. So I spent almost every weekend for the next few months either raising money for team and training or traveling largely to Halifax to run races. So I like had no downtime at all. And it, I find it so funny because your brain, your memory isn't as good as you think it is. And I remember all of these specific things, but I didn't remember the order in which they happened. But because I have my blog and I have Instagram going back a decade-ish, has, is Instagram really a decade old? Anyway, <laughs> since I have that stuff, I can look back and find the actual dates and be like, oh my God, like, what was I thinking? Okay, so I signed up for that. In June, so I signed up for team training in May. In June, I started my journey to become a yoga instructor. And you know what took me to make that decision? It was partly because of that overtraining back in March. And I thought if I take this, I'll be able to transfer some of my classes to yoga, which was a good idea. But at this time, I'm still teaching way too many classes. I'm also now training for a half marathon by spending even more of my time driving around in my car to races, which is just absolute insanity. I remember going to that yoga training and not being able to do a kneeling crocodile, a chaturanga, like a kneeling push-up, which is fine. It's absolutely fine, except I always was able to do at least a kneeling push-up. But at that point, my body had used so much of my muscle for energy, like it had eaten itself, literally. I did not have the upper body strength to lower myself to the floor in a controlled manner. I fell, like I didn't hit my head or anything, but it was just kind of one of those oof, Every time we had to do one, I just kind of plopped down. <laughs> and I remember being embarrassed about that because I felt like I should be able to do it. I also remember thinking, I've done this to myself because I know I used to be able to do this and now I have no upper body strength and I can't do it. And again, it's totally fine. If you can't do any push pushup, that is fine. But for me, at that time in my life, it felt like a bit of a failure, like I was a joke, like I shouldn't even be there if I can't do a kneeling push-up. Like I'm a joke, an absolute joke. And I do, I remember that. I would never have told you in a million years that that happened the same year as the overtraining, the same year as the infection, the same year I did team and training. I never would have told you that. I would have sworn that I started yoga the year or two after because it was that year of running that I think I mean, what was wrong with my brain? Like, why would I think that after being having such severe overtraining that I had like no period and was having heart palpitations, like sitting there, I could feel my heart jumping all over the place. It was ridiculous. Why I would ever, anyway, like when you know better, you do better. And you might wonder why somebody who's already teaching fitness classes for a living and clearly teaching a lot of them 
would think that they should take up running. And I had been running off and on for a few years prior to even becoming a fitness instructor. It's something that I had done way back when I first started to incorporate exercise into my life a bit more to help me manage my fibromyalgia symptoms. And I had done a few 5Ks and had enjoyed them. At that time in my life, there was a couple things that went on. I believe it was the fall of 2012. I ran my first 5K in a couple years and I did it completely untrained. I went and I did the um, Valley Harvest Marathon 5K and I had a great time. And I decided I was going to start running a little bit. It might've been before 2012, but I started back running. And one of the things that drew me to running initially is I have a weak spot on the top of my left lung. I have a soft spot. And when I was in high school and then a couple times in my early adulthood, I had partial collapsed lung, so a partial pneumothorax. And it was never serious enough that I had to have any medical intervention. It was always like under 5%. It's very painful. It's not enjoyable. Um, And I thought if I started running, it would help strengthen my lung. Made perfect sense to me at the time. And it hasn't been until actually just last year that I realized what a detriment I did to myself with that running. That in fact, running, all it did was exhausted my lung. The reason I gave up distance running, because I gave up distance running before I gave up running entirely, is because when running like a half marathon or something, around kilometer 15 or 16, I could just feel my lung would get so tired and I just couldn't keep up my pace because my lung was tired and it just was like, please stop making me work so hard. And then for a couple of days after a long race like that, I would have um, pain, not severe pain, but it would be like, I'm not sure how to explain it. It would feel arduous to take a deep breath. It would be discomfort and it would be tiresome and it would be difficult and it would be unenjoyable. Um, And yet I still did it because I thought I was strengthening my lung, which obviously I wasn't because it was never getting any better. I was not having any of those episodes of it having a partial collapse, but I also, it wasn't getting any better. Like it still would be sore. So anyway, eventually I remember I was in the middle of my last half marathon, which was Valley Harvest Marathon. I'm not sure what year. It's been a few years now. Um, And I was around that 16 kilometer mark. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? And I, that was the last real race I ran. I then paced a friend the following year um, in the 10K because she wanted to meet a goal. And then I've done one or two 5Ks, largely walking them since then. But yeah, I remember being at that point thinking, this is just stupid. And I now realize because... I've taken more courses, especially in yoga and pranayama, realizing that instead of running, if I had dedicated my time to breath practice, especially breath retention practices, I really would have strengthened my lung without having to put all those miles on my body. And I probably wouldn't have gotten myself into the situation that I have been in for largely the past decade from overtraining because I was doing so much. If I would have just sat my butt down in a chair and spent 10 minutes a couple times a week doing a breath practice instead of hours a week running on an already worn out body. What I've been dealing with the last few years never would have happened. 
But truly, I had no idea. I don't even know if I, aside from calling it like a yoga breath or a three-part breath, I'm not sure I even realized that there were different types of breathing practices that I don't think I even knew. And honestly, it wasn't until this past fall when I was doing my four-day Ayurvedic training and one of our um, practices that we did that day, one of the days, had a lot of breath retention and man, I struggled so hard. Like the first couple times we held the breath retention and we breathed in and then held it. I, I couldn't do it. I could only do it for a couple seconds before I had to go back to regular breathing. And we did it over and over and over. And as we continued with it, even in that one class, I could feel that I was able to hold it longer each time. And I remember the last time we did the breath retention, I was able to hold it for almost like I was just shy of a second or so of the entire time. So after we do a class in a training, we always have a chance to ask questions or say things that we liked, disliked, etc. So I said, when we were doing the breath retention, how I found it so challenging and that I have a bit of a soft spot in one lung. And I said, as we went, did those breath retentions stay the same? Did they get smaller or did they get longer? So like if the first breath retention we did was 10 second, a 10 second hold, was the second and third and fourth and fifth all 10 seconds? Or did they go like eight, six, four, or did they go higher? Because, you know, when you're in one of those positions, you don't really know. Like if you're doing a series of planks, like the fourth plank is going to feel like it's five minutes long, even though it might just be the same as the first one because you've already done them. And she said that she made them considerably longer each time. And I told her about my lung and she was like, a breath retention practice is going to be critical for you. And then I told her how previously I had ran for years thinking that that was going to strengthen it. And she was like, oh girl. <laughs> and it wasn't until then that I realized, oh my gosh, I did myself such a disservice but I didn't know. I didn't know. And now I know. So I want, and that's just one specific instance, but that's why I'm so passionate about trying to help people figure out what things they can do to improve their health without turning their life upside down. Because if I had done that, if I had taken 10 minutes, three times a week to work on a breath retention practice, instead of putting all those miles on my body, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to imagine what a different situation I'd be in. And right now I'm doing really well, but I've worked really hard over 2020 to get to this point. Like I shut down my business and revamped everything. I'm doing mostly virtual. I cut back on how much I'm teaching. I'm taking more purposeful days off. I'm streamlining things as much as humanly possible. And I'm taking more time off and relaxing more and enjoying more and doing all those sorts of things more while taxing my body less. And I think for most people, yeah, everybody should do some cardiovascular exercise. Everybody should do some strength exercise. And don't, don't get me wrong, when it comes to my cardio, which is generally Zumba, I can make you sweat and be tired. <laughs> when it comes to body sculpts, not all classes are super, super challenging. I try to take you to that point where you feel challenged and you feel the muscle burn and you feel like you're making changes, but you don't feel like you've been murdered and are not going to be able to walk for a week. I try to avoid that <laughs> because I don't feel like that's super beneficial, but I do try to challenge you, but then I try to balance that with yoga classes that are largely not super action-packed. I try to keep my yoga classes purposefully 
more of the balancing of the nervous system, of the chill, the yin, um, the slower moving flows, because that's what most people need, even if that's not what they think they want. I don't want anybody to put themselves in the place I have been. And I see people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram posting workouts and how they never take a day off and this is day 5063 of my run streak or whatever and people doing two or three classes a day not because they're the teacher sometimes you can't avoid it if you that is your job sometimes you can't avoid it but as a student taking two or three classes a day and doing all these things and I just I just want to send them a message and say no (laughs) But each person has to figure things out on their own. And the best thing I can do is share my story, share examples of things that I've done wrong and what I've done now to help compensate for those things, to find balance in my body and hope that maybe they will see what I'm saying and take it to heart. And I know it can be challenging, especially when coming from me right now, I'm at the heaviest weight I've ever been in my life. And that's just from my body having to take the time to recalibrate after me like abusing it for so many years. Um, And let me be perfectly clear, I have no problem with the size I am right now. Aside from the fact that I would like some of my jeans to fit a little bit better. (laughs) I don't really have a problem otherwise. Um, And I think, you know what? Let, Let the fact that I have gained weight be the reason that you believe me. Because my eating habits have not changed. If anything, they're better now than they were before. My eating habits haven't changed. So it's not a food in versus calories out situation. It's the hormone side of things. And that is so important. And I hope that if you're still listening to this, first of all, thank you. I know this is a bit longer than usual. But it is so important to make sure that you're taking care of your whole self. It's not calories in, calories out. There's a whole other component to it. And if you follow any type of nutrition plan that tells you it's just calories in, calories out, that is wrong and it's harmful, frankly. And it's why I am working so hard to put together this R&R resilient, recharged and resilient program because that's going to take in hormonal cycles. It's going to help you to work out based on the phase of your cycle that you're in. If you're somebody who has an active menstrual cycle, if you're not, you're going to be able to just do it on your own time. It's not going to change anything, but it's going to work in a cycle so that you are going to best support your hormones. It's going to help you with stress resiliency. It's going to help you live your healthiest life without having to think about it. Like it's just going to be a plan right there for you. And And this matters so much to me because I have been there. I have lost my period because I have had my hormones so messed up. I have had horrific cycles where it just was like, is this ever going to end? Is it ever going to end? I damn near tried to kill myself running because I thought it was going to strengthen my lung when in actuality it did the exact opposite for me, remember this was a Susie situation and not just a general situation. I have nothing against running in general, just that it is not right for me. I have had my body use almost all of my muscle <laughs> to sustain me so that I couldn't do something that I have always been able to do before. 
I have gained weight because my body's trying to figure out how to bring myself back into balance. I've had so many, I've had a bloody infection all over my face because I was so worn down. I've had so many things and I don't want you to do the same. So when I say listen to me, it's not because, (laughs) it's not because I have such an ego that I think I'm so smart. Oh, I'm just so smart and you better listen to me. No, I say it because I have been there. I have done the wrong thing. I have learned the hard way, the right way to do a lot of these things. And I want to help you skip that. I want you to go from where you are to doing the thing that's going to best benefit you without that messy middle. I just finished reading Brene Brown's um, Rising Strong, and she talks about the messy middle. I want you to skip as much of that messy middle as possible. Like you don't, I've done it. You don't need to do it. Let's take a shortcut. Let's skip some of that nastiness so that you don't have to deal with it. And just let me tell you some of the things that you should do. (laughs) Just let me tell you, I have done it. Nobody, you don't have to do it. You don't need to do it. Let me help you. Because when you know better, you do better. Instead of having to do the wrong thing, Let me tell you some of the things that you can do to do better. That is why you should follow me. And if none of this resonates with you, absolutely click unsubscribe, stop following me. You don't need to listen to me. If you think that I'm talking nonsense and I don't know what I'm talking about, you have my blessing to go on your merry way and find someone who does resonate with you. But if this does resonate with you, A, I hope you are subscribed to the podcast. If not, please do. Make sure you're following me on Instagram if you're there at Susie Confesses. You can also join my free R&R Light program while I'm working on the paid version. That is at welluniversity.ca. You get a new class every single week. There's a whole bunch of resources already in there. There's yoga classes. There's body sculpt classes. There's a stress resiliency e-course. There's a whole bunch of things there. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash confessions of a fitness fitness instructor. And you can, of course, email me directly at info at All the info is in the description below. But yeah, I've done the wrong thing. I've done the wrong thing. Let me help you skip some of that nastiness and go right to the good. That's it for today's episode. It's been a little bit longer. I apologize. I hope you at least found it interesting. Um, and if you're still listening to this, thank you very much. I love you so much. You make my day ever so bright. (laughs) And if you enjoyed this episode, please do screenshot your phone, tag me on Instagram and post to let other people know that they can check this episode out. Hearing about all the foolish things I did to myself when I thought I knew what I was talking about and I didn't. (laughs) And let me help you find that right balance for you. Have a wonderful weekend. You know what? Take some time for you, even if you lock yourself in the bathroom or hide in your car for 10 minutes. Take some time for you. Don't push yourself quite so hard. Give yourself a pat on the back. Maybe give yourself a hug because I know you're doing the best that you can. Have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week.